Today, today is our third birthday. We're three years old as a church. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy. Um, when, when I think back about this, I mean, we launched, if you're here, we launched March 1 of 2020. So it was like super amazing timing. Um, I don't know if you guys remember or you're like, Rick, you were trying to forget. But it was, we, were, we were here and it was like core team. Uh, all right, we're a church plant, let's go. And it was two weeks of that, and then it was COVID. And everything just kind of got shut down, and we're just, I mean, we would be here and looking at a camera, and there would just be a staff, and we're like, who's on the other side of this? I don't know. Hey, hey. It's just so weird. It was like, this was like the worst timing I could think of to, to launch a church was... When, the, when it was like you can't be around people basically anywhere. Um, but but the, the amazing thing is that God's bigger, right? God, God's bigger than a pandemic. God's bigger than any of these things. And it's been so amazing to just see what God has done in the life of the church these past three years. And, and you know, we have a birthday just like, you know, you probably do at home or anything because you're celebrating the life of a person. That's what we're doing today is just celebrating the life of the church and again just what God has done so today uh, yeah we're having several people being baptized we're having people sharing stories and uh, this just makes me think of a psalm it's Psalm 115 um, and it just says not to us right not to us be the glory but to your name God to you we give you the glory because of your faithfulness, because of your love. And so know that all of any of these things that are happening today, it's not, it's not like, yay, the name of City Light. No, we're here praising the name of God because of what he's done, because of his love, his kindness, his faithfulness, yeah. not to us. And so, um, so I'm actually, to just share a story, I'm going to ask Brittany up here to, to yeah, share with us about what God has done in her life. journey with our Lord Jesus. He has changed my life in many ways, but on April 28th of 2022, he gave me a brand new heart. I was on my way home from work, and I started to feel a pain I had never felt before. I called my husband Joe, and he came rushing home. He then rushed me to Bryant East, also known as the Heart Hospital. My parents, his parents, and my sisters came rushing to the hospital also. All at once, I had 20 to 30 doctors and nurses surrounding me. I couldn't breathe hardly at all by this point, so I couldn't speak to my family or to the doctors and nurses. They said I was having a major heart attack, and at 32, that is not something you expect to hear. It was 100% blockage of my main artery. I was truly afraid. I didn't know if I was going to live or die. My mom said through tears, I know you want to meet Jesus, but please, not today. After that, they started wheeling me down the hallway. I felt so alone because I couldn't talk and tell anyone how I was feeling or how afraid I truly was. 
but this overwhelming feeling of you're not alone overtook me. The healing by Blanca was released in March last year. My heart attack was in April. I hardly knew this song, and I certainly didn't have the lyrics memorized. But all of a sudden, the lyrics were rolling through my head like someone had just pushed play. My God is so much more than just a feeling. You are my healing. As afraid as I was, I knew in that moment God wasn't bringing me home quite yet. He was going to heal me, and he did. Dr. Cookman, the man who saved my life, told me my husband got me to the hospital just in time. Any later, and I would have had heart damage and possible brain damage as well because I couldn't breathe. Dr. Cookman said I had a brand new slate, no heart damage or brain damage at all. He also said that blockage had been building my whole life. Nothing I could have done or not done to prevent it. It was 100% genetics. That first night in the hospital was scary. I had never stayed in a hospital before. The nurse came in and we started talking and I don't remember how, but we got on the subject of church. We told her we belonged to City Light South and she told us she goes to City Light Central and asked if she could pray for us. I was instantly comforted. It was the most beautiful prayer. The next day was all about learning what my new lifestyle would be. There was a video I had to watch about taking care of my new stint. And the enormity of it all crushed me and I felt overwhelmed. Overwhelmed to tears. My anxiety had taken over. Just about then, a different nurse walks in. She would be my nurse for the night. I was trying to hide my tear-soaked face when she noticed Joe's Made Alive baptism t-shirt. She asked if we go to City Light. We both said yes, City Light South is our home church. She told us she goes to City Light North. <laughs> I, I could not believe it. God had sent me two nurses from two different City Light churches and he sent them just when I needed them most. <laughs> He knew I was scared, and he comforted me with these beautiful women and their beautiful prayers. I no longer felt crushed by my anxiety. I felt comforted. He has given me a family to belong to. He has given me so much comfort and peace through this church in my darkest hour. This church is a gift our family cherishes with all of our hearts. My relationship with Jesus has deepened greatly through this church. The love that we have felt from each one of you since day one means the whole world to us. God has definitely grown my faith here and through the circumstances of my heart attack. And I never thought I would say this, but I am grateful for my heart attack. God really showed up for me in every way possible through this amazing church family and our family and friends who were at our side the incredible doctors and nurses who cared for me. We are so grateful for this church and the family we have found here. Praise God for who he is and for his amazing love and compassion. It is our greatest gift. God has changed my life in this church. Our city group surrounded us after my heart attack. They listened to me with open hearts, compassion, and so much love. They all made me these beautiful cards that I still cherish to this day. One of my very good friends from Citigroup came on walks with me while I did my cardiac rehab last summer. 
They also set up a meal train of heart-healthy meals for Joe and I as we transitioned into our new lifestyle. We are both so immensely grateful for this church and our city group. By the way, if you're not part of the city group, get into a city group because it is everything. You truly are our family to belong to, our family to grow with, and our family to go with. Joe and I are forever grateful for every soul sitting in this sanctuary right now. Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite verses. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. My life is a living testimony to this verse. He truly does work all things together for the good of those who love him. Thank you. You know, it, it's just been so cool to see what God has, has done in the life of the church. Um, you know, again, it, it's not about us, it's about Christ, but just to just to share with you some of the things that God has been doing. Um, I mean, through through uh, God, through you, uh, we've been able to give uh, almost $30,000 away to different church plants that are starting uh, in the region. Uh, we've been able to send out two staff members to help plant City Light Greeley that's actually launched publicly launching Today, we were able to give over $5,000 to foreign missions. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, just so many amazing things. This past year, we've seen eight different people get baptized. We've grown as a church by over 65 people. Um, and, and so many cool things have happened just in seeing people step up. We, we pray as a staff uh, at 1002 every day, uh, except I guess not on Sundays. Um, but, but, but it's just from Luke 10 too, that the, that the harvest is plentiful. God's harvest is plentiful. So pray to God that he would provide people for that harvest. And so we, we pray to to just God, would you just provide people, uh, to, to, to do various things. And, and we've just seen God over and over again, answer that prayer of people just saying, yeah, I, I know it's, I'm inconvenienced, but I don't feel qualified, but I will help lead a city group. We've seen God provide people to help lead women's support groups that are going through really, really tough, sticky situations. We've seen him provide people to uh, help lead men's support group. And it's just been so cool to see lives being changed in that. Um, I, I know of, of one couple in that, that, that earlier this year, they experienced, um, yeah, just some really, some sexual sin and some betrayal. But, uh, but to see that God is, is with them in that, you know, and that is, that is hard, that is, that's bad. But to see God entering into their lives, not just to, to like help restore their marriage, but to actually do some amazing things in their life. To see them just moving toward like repentance and restoration and just changing their heart to see the goodness of Christ in that. Um, and, and just there's, there's story after story, people just volunteering to, to make like drum sets or covers, whatever that thing is, um, <laughs> you know, um, people volunteering, nobody even asking them to, but they just have a heart for marrieds and just say, oh, we've been thinking about all this. We've been praying about this and just put together an entire marriage conference and just to, to serve us and invest in people, um, over and over again, church, like just seeing 
the, the various ways that God has worked, that God has moved in you and through you, and just seeing, seeing people that are very dear to me saying, this is the first time I've really read the Bible. And, you know, I just think of this verse that, I mean, we'll go over it later, but it's just been really weighing, weighing on me. It's from Philippians 1. It just says, I give thanks to my God every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. You're all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense of the gospel. And just seeing God just make this, this family of people that it's just like, yeah, we are here for something bigger than ourselves. We're here because of the kingdom of God is going forward. And, to, and yeah, through, through the good stuff and the bad stuff, we're going to be this family together. And so church, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. I thank God for you because of what he is doing. He's doing lots of amazing, incredible things. And, and we, want, we want to continue to see him do more amazing, incredible things. So, so anyway, sorry. That's a yay birthday. Yeah, so it's supposed to be more like uplifting time. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, just again, seriously, so thank you so much. Love you guys, seriously, more than you know. Um, well, yeah, let me pray. And um, yeah, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, God. We give you glory. We give you praise because of what you are doing in lives. That, that you are changing hearts, that you're changing souls, that you're, you're bringing people to know Christ. Lord, even just this past year that we've seen people trust in Jesus. Lord, even just heard Joe and Brittany's story, Lord, that it, just a couple years ago that they trusted in you, God. That you're bringing people out of darkness, out of death, into life in Christ, into the light of you. And so, Lord, praise you, Lord, for what you're doing. And, Lord, um, yeah, may we just never lose sight of your goodness, Lord, and that you are at work uh, in our midst, Lord. And um, so thank you that we get to celebrate the life of, of your church, Lord, here at City Life South. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you could, please stand for the reading of God's Word. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Acts 16. If you don't have a Bible, we have a whole bookshelf in the back. Please grab one and, and take it home. We want to make sure that you have the Word of God. Um, Acts 16, 11 through 40. From Troas we put out to sea and, and sailed straight for Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony in a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath day we went out outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, and she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and, and us, she cried out, 
These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Cyrus and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Cyrus were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire house. When daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, Release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released, so come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They beat us in public without a trial, although we are Roman citizens, and threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them, and escorting them from prison, they urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters, and departed. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Yes. Uh, praise God. We have made it through three years. Uh, Jesus is so good. Uh, the house is packed. I'm a little bit nervous that there's finally people in the front row, but Seth is the one that's in the front row. So I'll stand maybe on this side, buddy. Uh, but seriously... When I think back just a little over three years ago, uh, when Ricky and I started planning, praying, asking God what he might do in this very place, in South Central Lincoln, we wanted to, God, we wanted to see God change lives. We wanted to see eternities transformed. We wanted to see marriages reformed, renewed, refreshed, and brought back together. We wanted to see broken people come to true healing and what Jesus could actually do. And I stand before you today, three years later, in awe, in complete awe of what God has done. And he's continuing to write more stories like it over and over and over again. When we dreamed up like our vision statement of a family to belong to, what we wanted to see was to see people give their lives to Christ, to God adopt them into his family, to welcome them into this very place to where we get to just witness God continue to care for people. 
When, when we dreamed up and thought, what's it mean to grow together as among, among the body of Christ? We wanted to see people who have never opened up their Bibles before, never heard the word of God, people who are far from him, step into community and say, man, Jesus, I want to hear from you. And God continue to transform their lives time and time again. When we wanted to see people go together on missions, I dreamed up of stories of what God might do to save the people who are far from him, people in our very neighborhood, across the city, across the place and across the nations and we sit here today with multicultural people completely in the room in awe and in love with what Jesus has done. These are stories that we can't just write or subscribe to, but these are stories that only Jesus can do. Amen? Church, we have to ask ourselves the question though, why did we do this thing in the first place? What was the whole reason that we got together and said, what could God do in South Central Lincoln? I think the story that's before us in the book of Acts clearly paints it for us. I'm not going to read it again because uh, Jason read that really eloquently and I can't pronounce all those words of the cities that they moved on to. But the, the, the story in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16, is a beautiful one for us to step into. Because as we look at these stories, we see lives, three different lives transformed throughout this. And so as we look at the book of Acts, it's the middle of Paul's missionary journey. It's his second, actually, missionary journey where he's going abroad. He's continuing to just say, I want to see Jesus do more. I want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I want to see Jesus continue to plant churches, change lives, and his name be praised across the entire earth. And so this missionary journey took place about 40 to 52 AD. Now, Philippi is actually one of the leading Roman colony cities in Macedonia, and that's what sets the stage for us to kind of step into these stories. And also, if you know your New Testament or the Bible at all, if you were to flip forward a couple of pages, you'd run into this letter that says the letter to the Philippians. That's the church that was planted from this very missionary journey. And in this section, we see God radically change people who have three completely different backgrounds, who have almost nothing in common, and yet we see something unite them beautifully. The first story we run into is of a woman named Lydia. Lydia, we get her story in the first couple of verses, verses 11 uh, through uh, 15, and we kind of read this story how the Apostle Paul gets to Philippi. He falls upon this group of women who are studying, they're studying together, they're praying, they're trying to figure out who God is exactly, and we see that we meet Lydia, who's a wealthy businesswoman. Woman. Uh, she sold purple cloth, which was expensive, so if she's selling it, that means she can have it and gain access to it. She's gaining an income, and that's why we can infer that then she's a wealthy businesswoman who's well off. And the text calls Lydia a God-fearing woman. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that she actually had a relationship with Jesus or that she was saved, but it means that she was searching. Lydia was obviously at a prayer meeting for a reason. She wanted to learn more. We can maybe look at her story and think of someone who is a religious person who's asking a bunch of questions. And so when Paul gets there and he stumbles upon this group of women who are here, he's able to share the gospel with them. He's able to tell them about who Jesus is. He's able to tell them about the Savior who's come to save simple people who are far from God. And God opens Lydia's heart and responds, God saves her. 
She then goes and is baptized in a response to her salvation, which is a cool story because we get to hear baptism testimonies here today just in a couple of minutes. Uh, But we see clearly that God is at work demonstrating how he continues to save lives time and time again, regardless of the background, because he continues on to the next story as we watch in the book of Acts. You read the next story right after Lydia and Paul and Silas who are on this missionary journey. They're hoping to see Jesus change lives and they stumble upon this slave girl who's behind him who starts annoying Paul, which I kind of like because sometimes we look at the Apostle Paul and we like think, oh gosh, he's like the best Christian in the whole world. And then you kind of see, oh, he like got mad. Oh, okay, he sinned too. Uh, And it's like, ah, sweet. I would totally get annoyed if somebody was following me around town and just screaming the entire time. I'd be like, get out. Can't even handle it when my dog is watching me get snacks in the middle of the night. Bothers me, okay? Dakota, go away. Uh, I tell him all the time. Everybody who's in my city group goes, ah, that's true. Uh, But as I sit here and think, we run into this story of this demon-possessed girl, right? This slave girl who could not be more opposite than Lydia. Think of the contrast between their lives. In fact, it's so far that we don't even get a name for this girl, and yet we get Lydia's name. A couple of other things that are different different between the two of them. Lydia, wealthy. The girl is owned by people. Lydia is probably in good standing with the community. She's got a successful business. The slave girl is exploited and abused by the community. Lydia is religious. The girl is tormented by a demon, and yet... God writes a new story with both of them. He delivers both of them. Well, the text doesn't directly tell us if the girl comes to salvation, if she comes to faith in Christ. We can still see that God continues to show his power, his authority over spiritual darkness. He writes new stories as he frees that girl from the captive that she was to that demon. And because of the powerful name of Jesus, she is delivered and set free in bondage and is no longer a slave to the spirit or to her owners. The story goes on a little bit more. We see the interaction where the owners kind of get upset. That leads to Paul and Silas going into jail. And as we start to see, we read the story of a third person, the jailer here. God miraculously moves in such a way that when Paul and Silas are in prison, there's this huge earthquake that kind of takes place and it sets everybody who's in the jail free. No more chains, no more anything kind of holding them down. They could have left. But what wakes up is the jailer totally terrified afraid. Could you imagine waking up to a huge earthquake and then seeing, oh my gosh, there was an opportunity for everyone who I had sitting in here to be set free. Prisoners, murderers, killers, people who are just randomly in jail for whatever reason, out. Everyone around him, his boss, his manager, whoever it was, could have been completely angry at him. And it leads him to the point to where the fear and the guilt drives him to some of the darkest moments that anybody could experience in their own life. A moment so dark that he felt like the only way to escape, the only way to get out, was to take his own life. But out of great compassion, out of mercy, Paul cries out to him and tells him, hey, we're all still here, man. We're all still sitting in our cells. We're waiting for you to kind of come to this point. And he runs over to them. He falls to his knees and he starts to ask, how can I be saved? And we start to wonder, why would that be his first gut reaction? 
Well, the story earlier reminds us and tells us that as they were in jail, as Paul and Silas are in jail, they're singing praises. They're, they're singing hymns. They're singing to God. They're praying. They're asking God and just watching God continue to write the story over and over again. And so I wonder if this jailer thought for a quick second, how can those people have so much joy while they're in a deep, dark pit chained into walls, hanging upside down, and I'm sitting here watching them on the outside? That doesn't make any sense. And so in a few minutes later, when, when everything comes crashing down in his own life, I wonder if he ran to them because he thought they were in complete, utter darkness in the deepest moments of their life in this point. And he goes, I need to experience that too. So he cries at their knees, how could I be saved? How could I experience the joy that you have in the middle of suffering? How could I be changed to where I'm able to experience what you're currently experiencing? God moves in a radical way and changes that guy's life too. We've got three stories, three completely different people who did nothing to earn their salvation, who, who weren't saved because they were cleaned up and had a lot of money, who weren't saved because they just continued to walk away from a demon on their own doing, right? They weren't saved because they set some people free for a fun job. They were all saved because of what Jesus had done for them. These are the stories that we watch here. But why would Paul go through with all of that traveling with all the suffering, with all the pain, why would he go through and say, yeah, I'm okay to be persecuted by people who are hunting me down, people, my own people who used to be my friends, my religious leaders who were alongside me, my brothers and sisters. Why would, why would I do any of that? Because Jesus was going to change some lives. That's why. And Paul doesn't just go running solo when he plants these churches, right? And it's not even about him. Because as you kind of go, you start to see, hey, it could be really easy for somebody to go have a really good gift at communicating, gain a huge following, really charismatic leader, and just make it all about themselves. But that's not what Paul does. He actually continues to go forward because he wants to see God building his kingdom, saving people from uh, and bringing people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation to himself. God is using his church. He's using people to proclaim the gospel to lead church plants. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the planter. It's about this power of the spirit of God. God used Paul to go into random cities, proclaim the gospel, see lives changed, and then he would leave. The ordinary people like you and me, the random blue collar worker, the, the wealthy businesswoman, the, the slave girl that's been tormented by a demon together to lead a church plant. Ordinary people, God was working through them to plant churches, engage the lost, and see more people brought to life and see Jesus glorified most of all. These stories aren't just some pictures that someone dreamed up to write a good book. But when we, when we read these stories... These are real lives that were changed. These are real people that sat in rooms, that had dinner, that laughed, that cried, that mourned, that wept, that rejoiced. These are real lives that were completely transformed all because of Jesus. All because of what he did. And what Acts 16 shows us is a beautiful picture of why we're in the room today. It's a beautiful picture of why we planted City Light South Church three years ago. 
These are people who are completely different from one another, and yet they still come together in one house to encourage each other, and God uses the people to plant more churches to see God do it over and over again, and more lives transformed and more lives changed, like we read in the story at the church in Philippi. What we dreamed of and prayed that God would do here in South Lincoln we, we carried the vision statement forward that we want to see a family to belong to, a family to grow with, a family to go with. We truly wanted to see God write this story all over again in different lives. That's why we planted this church, to see Jesus continue to change people, to rewrite eternities, to give them a new life everlasting. There are countless stories, friends. I'm sure you can actually see and hear and think of real people in these stories, that there are countless stories of people in our community that are similar to Lydia, the slave girl, and the jailer, and more. Dozens of business women and men who would consider themselves religious and are asking questions about who God is, but are searching after the wrong thing. There, there are countless stories of people who are lost in the slavery to their sin and filled with false ideas about something else to worship, caught up in horoscopes or in chakras with no hope to look to. There, there are hundreds of people who wrestle with depression in our community that it haunts them so much that it drives them to the point to where they desire to take their own life. But we desire to see a new story written, don't we? We want to see Jesus continue to change lives like he did in Philippi. We wanted to see Jesus proclaimed, people hearing the good news that religiosity and legalistic rule following will never save them, that they cannot carry the burden of perfection on their own, but only Jesus could, he himself. We prayed that God would continue to write that story time and time again. As we consider what we want to see, why we planted this church, why we came together, why we sing these songs, why we worship together, why we get to watch people hang out in a horse trough and get dunked with some water that hopefully is not freezing cold, uh, so sorry, uh, but we just want to see Jesus do it all over again. He's totally worth it. He's worth absolutely everything in our prayers in South Lincoln. We're not about having comfort. They were not about having a, a, a bigger building where we might actually fit in the room and you're not sitting next to the smelly stranger who's right next to you. But we wanted to see Jesus continue to move in people's lives. To, we didn't want to just stay here for the rest of our lives and ignore the people who are around us who have no hope. But our, our prayer was that we didn't want to see, hey, it's not about the bigger parking lots. It's not about the best sound equipment. Our prayer is that Jesus would write more stories like he did in Philippi over and over again. That's the prayer that we begged God for. That's the reason why we gather. That's why we scatter throughout the city in city groups. That's why we have the men's support group, the women's support group. That's why we have all the ministries that we do, the youth ministry. Where we've got kids reading the Bible in the front row. Like, praise God, people. Like, that's a good news. Like, where do we see stuff like that? Jesus is continuing to rewrite stories over and over and over again. Friends, I didn't say yes to pastoring a church plant because I wanted a nice platform where people would just look at me and say, wow, what a cool guy. He speaks nicely sometimes and he can kind of make us laugh like the other guy. <laughs> but I wanted to see lost people found. I wanted to see them find hope in Christ. 
I wanted to see the anxious brought to peace by the Prince of Peace himself. I wanted to see that God bring the kingdom through his people and that he would be given all of the glory and that we, we would get to watch heaven just get a little bit more crowded by the work that he's doing through us in this very place and in this building. Friends, I wanted to see the captives brought free, being enslaved to their sin and set to the freedom of Christ that he gives us in the new life that we have with him. Jesus continues to rescue and redeem us by grace and by grace alone. And that's the reason why we sing today. That's the reason why we gather time and time again. That's the reason why we multiply churches, lead city groups, continue to engage the people in our community, run after people in our very families, have birthday parties where we have friends and family who engage our lost brothers and sisters who come together because we want to see Jesus rewrite stories time and time again. That's why we planted this church because he is worthy of the praise. He is worthy of the glory. He changed the lives in the city of Philippi and we continue to see him change lives in South Lincoln and in Lincoln across into the nations. We want to see Jesus rewrite stories over and over again. So that begs the question then, what has he done over the last three years? Flip forward with me, Philippians chapter one. Uh, If you're new to the Bible, Philippians is towards the back. If you just keep going, it's a really small Bible. It's got uh, only four chapters. It goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you have to look in your table of contents, tense, tense, text, tense, uh, it's totally okay. I have to do it all the time. I have little fancy bookmarks for it. So that way I don't have to go to the table of contents. But Philippians chapter one, verses three to eight, it reads this. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in my my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul went to Philippi in about 50 AD. Ten years later, he writes this letter to the same people and even more people because God continued to work in that space and in that place. God saved lives, rescued people from the middle of darkness. And as Paul is in jail, he writes these words. He says, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. He remembers the people in Philippi who loved him, who cared for him, who have supported him. And he's so grateful for their partnership in the gospel. And as I read these words, and I think of you guys, I think of how God has used you in my life. And I think about how he's used you in each other's lives. I think about the stories that I continue to hear of God transforming people. And as I read this powerful passage here, Paul isn't just reflecting on a conversation he had with Lydia. He's not just remembering the jailer who almost took his life, but he's remembering how God was at work in the lives of those people. He's remembering the grace that was given to him and that was given to all of them. 
And he's grateful for the response of the gospel that they've continued to partner him, encourage him. And as I reflect back, I think of countless stories of what God has done in the last year. Three years, actually. The first story, I have a picture of my friend, Teresa, who's going to pop up here in a sec. That's Teresa with a bunch of the high school girls from our high school ministry. Uh, Teresa is an empty nester who could spend her time in many other ways, but because of what Jesus has done in her own life, the way that he has moved, because of the grace that he's shown her, she pursues young girls and shares the love of Christ with them. On Wednesday nights, Teresa is committed to volunteering to our youth ministry to be a support for the girls in the church, but that's not where it stops because Teresa continues to engage girls. She doesn't just say Wednesday is just enough time for discipleship, but she invites these young girls into her very home on Friday nights, on Sunday afternoons. They watch basketball or volleyball games together. They hang out, they enjoy, they laugh, and they study scripture together. Teresa engages these young women with the hope that God would use her to encourage them, to steer them forward in their own faith, their own walk with Jesus, so that the hope that God gave her would be the same hope and passion that fills them with great joy. That's a story that God is continuing right in the life of our church. God's not just working in the youth ministry, friends. There are more stories where he's at work. There's another picture here. This is a picture of our mom's group that meets on Tuesday mornings. The mom's group actually might be the most evangelistic ministry we have in the life of our church. It's absolutely beautiful. Moms from within our church like Krista Banks and Jessica Kreifel saw a need and a desire and wanted to fill the space so that they could encourage moms in our community, in our city, with the hope of Christ to build community and to meet Jesus. Because of the mom's group, we have stories of women who did not know Jesus, women who were far from community, women who maybe don't have anyone to teach them how to read their Bible or anything like that. We have news stories time and time again where Jessica shared just a couple weeks ago on this stage of how at their last semester gathering, there was a woman who was crying with joy because she felt so loved by the other women in the room. She shared about how she'd been walking maybe with Jesus or with God for some time and yet no one had ever taken the time to challenge her to read the scriptures on her own. And so she started to read it on her own. All because women decided to come together to say, let's pursue other people in our city and in our community. These are more, there are stories, more stories that I could continue to share over and over and over again of God at work in the life of our church. About a year ago, there was a guy who started coming to our church. He had no relationship with God, was completely far from him. In his past, religion was manipulated. He, he was taught and told that God was an a, a armor-striking God that was just coming to smite him. And it was just spinned in different ways that would not be good. And after wrestling with God's forgiveness for some time, he said, I'm out. I'm done. He walked through these very doors and he met someone who pursued him, who took him off to the side into a back classroom, who wrote on a whiteboard the story of the gospel and shared with him how God continues to forgive sinners time and time again. People were far away from him and he used that man for months to pursue him. And today we get to celebrate and rejoice because that man was once lost in his sin, far away from God, dead. 
And now he is alive together with Christ because God is continuing to rewrite stories time and time again. That man has a new heart because of the work of God through this church. There's, we have the men's support group that started last fall because people wanted to process with one another their addictions of pornography and they wanted to run into the darkness with one another. We got stories like Dean and Barb Waddell, who if you've ever seen them or met them, they'll probably take you out to lunch to church after Sunday. They're crushing it in our at the table challenge and initiative. I'm like, it's just them. I'm like, it's crazy to kind of see it. And they're just continuing to just want to see Jesus build community in the life of the church and see lost people be found. There are stories of people who show up on Wednesdays and Thursdays who come to the church because they know that our kids ministry needs help. So they make some copies to take the burden off of Marcella so that our kids will have materials for this very Sunday. But I feel bad for because the room is packed. That means all of them. I better keep going. Uh, we better keep going. Uh, there's stories like people who didn't know how to play the bass guitar are playing on the worship team this very day because they saw a need to help our church. You worship. Someone saw a need and said, man, I want to help our people be able to sing. They said, I'll learn how to play an instrument for them. That's the sacrifice that God is working here. This is another picture. This is my friend Andre and his boy Charlie. It's a couple years old, but I love this story because Andre started to go into huddle. He confessed to the men in his huddle. He said, man, I, I don't know that I've ever had an interest in reading my Bible. And so those guys cared for him. They loved on him. They cherished him. They continued to open up God's word from him. And Andre moved from a person who was like, I don't know that I want to read my Bible, to loving God a little bit more, to opening up his word, desiring to spend time in his word, to being raised up to where he's multiplied a city group with the Cryfuls. And now he's a leader as a city group leader, pursuing other men who might be in that same very situation. God is continuing to write stories. This next slide is a fun one for me. This is my friend, Zach. Zach's in the middle. He's a high school student. And Zach is a great story because I met him about five years ago. I got to hear that kid's story. I got to watch him filled with joy. I got to watch Zach continue to maybe cheat a little bit in Gaga Ball. And we got to make fun of him. But God continued to be at work because a couple of years ago, we got to see him in a tank that was on the floor get baptized. He proclaimed his faith in Christ. He shouted before the rest of us that Jesus changed him. God continued to work in his heart, in his life, to the point to where God moved so much that that kid went from being just a kid who was coming to youth group and engaging just a little bit on Sunday mornings to being a leader in the student ministry, to caring for other kids, to having fun with other boys, to the point to where God moved in his heart. He wanted to see other children know Jesus. That kid's not even in the room today while his parents are because he's serving in the kids ministry. God is writing stories. Jesus is at work, friends. This is why we planted the church. These aren't just stories of some people who some way, somehow got involved, but these are stories whose lives have been transformed by the gospel of Christ. These are stories that Jesus is continuing to do more. Church, God is doing a good thing. Why would anyone do something like this? Why would high school students get together on Friday nights to have Bible studies? Because Jesus is worth it. Because he is continuing to set the captives free, to bring our confession of sin before one another, to pursue men and women together, to hold each other accountable, to see lives transformed, workplaces changed, only because Jesus change, changes lives. Here in a little bit, we're going to hear a couple of testimonies of how God was at work. And these stories are beautiful. These stories are oh so good to just hear how God moved in people's lives. 
Sometimes people will get testimony envy and they're like, man, I, I didn't have a crazy story where, where I had to be at some place where I, I hit rock bottom and was stuck with drugs and I had to go to rehab. And it's like, man, I praise God that he saved you at four years old so you didn't have to go through some of the junk that I went through. And I praise God for the stories that he's writing, that we get to see stories of young children who are eight years old, profess their faith in Christ. Like that's good news that Jesus is at work in the life of our church, man. We begged and prayed God that he would do something good. We begged and prayed God that he would build a family to belong to, a family to grow with, and he did. And I want to invite you, friends, if you're in the room today, if you're lost, if you feel like you're searching for Jesus, if you're at a place where you're in complete darkness or you don't know and you're just questioning, who is Jesus? Who is this? Why am I here today? I promise you that he wants you to invite you into this family. I promise you that he wants you to know who he is. I promise you that he's pursuing you because you wouldn't be here if he wasn't actually at work in your heart and in your life. Would you give your life to Jesus? Jesus today because he gives you the greatest joy, the greatest hope, the greatest love that you could ever ask for, ever witness, ever experience. Jesus is the only one who could write stories like this, friends. I hope and pray that you would come to know him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're in the room today and you've been following Jesus for quite some time, what better thing to celebrate than his work over and over again? What better way to rejoice than watching these stories? of Jesus at work, and Jesus changed lives. Church, it's good news that he answered our prayer. He's not done. Let's pray for more. My Jesus, how good you are. How sweet it is to sing the song of victory because of you. God, we pray and we thank you so much for the story that you've written. Lord, we beg you that you would do more. Your word tells us that we could ask you to do anything more than we could ever ask or imagine or dream of or, or even contemplate. Jesus, would you change more lives? We pray for uh, Salt Church in Greeley who's planting today, who's, who's rejoicing and having baptisms as well. God, would you rewrite stories of college students in Greeley? God, would you change our lives and our hearts while we've known you and we've been changed by you? Jesus, would we not lose hope or sight or love for you? Would you continue to set our hearts on fire to serve, to care, to love, to carry each other's burdens, to pursue the lost people, to have awkward conversations with people at the workplace? Lord, you are worth it. You are worthy. You are glorious. Your kingdom is good, new. And would you use us to continue to bring it into this place and in this space? Jesus, we pray that we would see you do more. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Yeah. It's my friend Mike. He's coming up. Good morning. Yep. Don't take that away, Alex. Oh, oh, sorry. You using it, buddy? I got papers here. I was trying to make it so people could see. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not quite that sure. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping to get through this without breaking down. Alex was not helping me with he was talking. So thank you, Alex. Um, 
I'm going to share a little bit of my life with you. How I ended up here at City Light. Now, let's start out with telling you that uh, my earliest memory is of three years of age and being beaten. Excuse me. This would be an ongoing scenario for me throughout my childhood all the way to where I get out of high school. And it wasn't only my dad, it was also teachers and administrators starting around. As a child, when I would go to church with my mom, when she'd be around people from the church, you know, say something bad happened, she's telling them something about dad, um, I would repeatedly hear the phrase in different scenario, in different ways, but basically the phrase was, God was letting that happen to make you stronger. Or God let it happen because he knew you could handle it. And every time I heard that, I'd go back to that three-year-old boy. And I'd be like, so you're saying that God thought a three-year-old getting beaten have a belt put around his neck. Could handle that. Or he was going to be stronger for that. That would keep me from accepting God's love and asking for forgiveness. Quite some time. I thought, how could I accept the love if everyone was right from a person, from a God that let all that happen to me? I didn't want that. I had enough of that already. I didn't need more. So how did I end up here at City Light? Well, this is what Ricky likes. <laughs> Ricky loves this story. So a little over a year ago, as I'm coming closer to my divorce papers being ready to sign, Facebook sends me an invite to a dating app for free. I'm like, hey, what I got to lose is free. <laughs> See what's out there, right? So I fill out a profile. I get some ladies like, and I'm liking on some. But I, I, I get this lady, uh, there's going to be a couple here, so I'm just going to call this one Lady T for lack of confusion here. So Lady T sends me an invite. Facebook says, uh, T likes you. Do you like tea? And I look at her picture like, oh yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> this one's not going to be debated very long. Okay, yeah. Send T a like. We start texting. We decide to finally meet up. Uh, I should say on her profile, she makes no bones about it. She is a lady of faith and looking for a guy of faith. And I'm like, I'm not for sure why she just hit on my profile because I said nothing about faith or my stance on it. But, hey, let's talk, let's meet, we meet, and uh, she tells me right away, first meeting, things that she's been through in her life, some of them very dark, how her faith and her love of God had helped her through it, and was continuing to help her through it. I'm sitting on the other side of the table thinking, this lady's amazing, and there's no way I'm telling her what I've been through. 
Not because I thought that she would shun me away or be scared off, but because I would not allow myself to be vulnerable and tell somebody what I'd been through. We go out a couple times, and I know that she could sense that I wasn't showing I was fully invested. So she tells me she's not feeling it. Meantime, I start texting with another lady on another app as friends, and she is the same way. She's a lady of faith, talking to me about faith and about God. I tell her about tea. I keep having this voice in my head telling me I need to tell the first one what I've been through, why I can't talk about God, why I can't share. And this voice is telling me, if you have any shot at her, you're going to have to break down and be home. So finally I did. At the end of that conversation, she says, why don't you come to church with me? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not sure. Let me think about that one. So I think about that for a day or two. I text her back, what's the address? So it's Valentine's Day weekend. I come to church with her last year. And Alex is giving the sermon. And he's talking about relationships and relationship with God and Jesus. And then he starts giving an example of a relationship between him and his father and how there was tension there for quite some time. And right when Alex gets to that, locks eyes on me. Felt like the rest of the sermon, but it's probably only 30 seconds. And he's talking to me and telling me about how hard his relationship was. And I was sitting there thinking, quit looking at me. <laughs> so we go out for lunch after church she asked me right away what do you think I rolled my eyes she was at me well as I've told you before whenever I go to church the pastor seems to talk about their relationships with their dad Christ is telling me somebody's out there hurting you've been, you've been abused da, 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 da. and uh, I said Alex locked on me She's talking about his dad. And I say, she says, well, I probably should tell you, I prayed before I came to church that you would hear what you need to do. So we decide we're going to stay friends. I'm going to continue coming to church. So now, the other lady from the other app texts me. She goes, how was your Valentine's Day? Did you and your lady friend do anything? And I say, no. Didn't do anything for Valentine's Day. I said, I didn't go to church with her on Sunday, though. She goes, oh, where'd you go? City Light. Oh, which one? I'm like, oh, I should want to know which one. Okay, 50 second old chain. That's my church. <laughs> well, God had a backup plan. Loves that. <laughs> I'm thinking only I can find 
two women, two different apps, same church. <laughs> yeah. So, now I'm here at church. Now, what has God done for me in the year I've been here at church? That city light. There's several things. I would say, and I probably already took up too much time, but I would say, uh, in order to tell you everything that's happened to me in this last year, in order to tell, uh, to go thoroughly into uh, how bad things were for me before I got here, they would have to let me lead sermon for a Sunday. But I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, okay, so I will tell you, it would have been shortly after I started coming here, and uh, I'd say right around late June or July. I'd already talked uh, a time or two with Ricky uh, about my struggles with faith, about the things I had gone through as a child. And uh, we were planning on talking again because I had some struggles going on. I had some questions going on. Ricky was busy. I was busy. It just wasn't happening. Then I show up for church one Sunday and Ricky's giving a sermon. And God apparently decided that he was tired of Ricky trying to make time for me. So... <coughs> sermon was about all the questions I had. And I knew then that God had been listening. That he was taking care of me. That he knew I needed the answers. Then after that, Jen gets up here to lead worship and song. I'm just being over, being overcome with emotion. One of the biggest struggles I was having was whether I was good enough to be forgiven. Whether I was misinterpreting or misunderstanding the feelings I was having. Was I sincerely feeling God? As Jen and the rest of them were singing, I can tell you, I physically could feel God put his arms around me. Tell me I was forgiven, that I hadn't learned to forgive myself. And that's what I continue to work on every day. Is to forgive my past, because I know God has. Thank you. It's been amazing to just see 
God uh, save you, but also to transform you. Um, you know, just say even in, uh, you know, just meeting this past week that, that you have a desire to, to know Jesus, to follow Jesus. Um, yeah, and, and that he's, he's changed your life and that he saved you. So, um, yeah, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for bringing Mike here. He's in a dating app. And, um, yeah, just drawing him to yourself and showing him who you are. Lord, pray, um, just lift him up to you. Pray that you continue to strengthen him, lead him, and, and to continue to just over and over again reveal that he is forgiven and, and that you love him, that you are his perfect Heavenly Father. Um, and so we just praise you, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, Mike, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on. something tragic happened. Growing up, the only time I heard about God or church was at funerals and weddings. When I was 19, at a county fair hay hauling contest, I spotted a beautiful girl. I asked my friends who she was. They introduced her. They introduced her to me and told me her name was Laura. Being protective, they told me that she was not my type because she believed in God. <laughs> that hurt. A few days later, that beautiful girl reached out to me on Facebook. I set the first day with her and we were inseparable from then on. We started dating and I started to go to church with her every Sunday. I was only going to church for her. I would retired from going hunting before, so we were always late to church. Laura would often elbow me to keep me awake. The church did a series on no matter what you do, performance does not give you status as a Christian, and that I will never measure up. Made me believe 
that I could be forgiven of my sin and receive God's grace. I accepted Jesus as my savior in one of those services. God helped me through addictions such as lust and alcohol. God also helped me change my mindset of happiness as a purchase of goose decoys or fishing gear away and changed it to the pursuit of happiness is through Jesus. Yeah. We continued at the church through a marriage and three kids. Fast forward, pandemic, quarantine that led to church, led not going to church, that led to church simulcast on in the background. My family and I needed to start going to church again. We tried different churches and they were just okay. One day we were driving past this church and Laura pointed at pointed it out and said, let's try that one. It was around the last anniversary we started attending. Here I've grown a faith stronger than ever, being more intentional and engaging in the word more often than just the church. That has led me to wanting to get baptized, and today is today. I'm getting baptized today because by God's grace, I am saved. Jesus at a pretty young age, but it wasn't until my grandpa passed away that I started asking questions about what happened to us after we died. I remember talking to my Sunday school teacher about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross so that we could live with him someday in heaven. But it wasn't really until my mom and my stepdad recommitted their life to Jesus and started going to a new church that I truly started to learn what grace was. At this uh, church, I was able to get involved with Sunday school and Wednesday night groups. When I went to our middle school summer camp is when I really gave my heart to Jesus. Shortly after starting my eighth grade year, I lost my big brother Matt to an accidental overdose. It was a really, really hard time in my life, but God was with me in that time. He made what felt like it would be impossible to get through possible with his help. This spring after losing my brother, my mom, my stepdad, and I moved to Nebraska. We found a church where I was able to join the youth group, and I was able to find a few good friends who were always an encouragement in my faith. The years after high school, my walk with Jesus seemed to come to a standstill. I was trying to navigate growing up and didn't know how to keep my relationship with God outside of church on Sundays. Fast forward many years through a pandemic and three kids, I had a tugging and longing in my heart for something more. Darren and I both agreed it was time to get back going to church instead of watching it at home. This last year at City Light has been a huge blessing for me and my family. Going to church, learning, and worshiping has made me so excited to continue to grow and learn more about God and what he's done for me. I'm getting baptized today because I want to follow and put all my trust in God. I know my salvation is not possible without, without Jesus, and I love him. Because I'm ready, and I sing and pray, and ask God for forgiveness, and I know Jesus did die on the cross, Jesus did rise again, and I am ready, so someday Jesus will come down to the world and save us. I'm ready. I'm excited to see Jesus in heaven. Someday. <laughs> 
past year and to see yeah just like you shared man just a hunger and a thirst for for God uh, and just seeing you step up and moving towards him because yeah because he's moved towards you he saved you and so uh, that's just so awesome to see um, all of that life change and to see uh, you just coming alive in Christ and so yeah let's pray Heavenly Father Lord thank you so much for Darren Lord I pray that you continue to mold him and shape him to the man that you have called him to be um, to love you, to serve others, to, to lead his family. And so, Lord, uh, um, thank you for the good work uh, that you're just doing in his life and um, that we get to celebrate today, Lord, that, that he has been saved by Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Darren, because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. person I've ever met, the sweetest person, and thank you so much for all that you do for our family. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 